Hello and thank you for downloading this episode of Discussing Documentaries with my friend Rick Wharton and me, Matt Wills. There. Sound like you fell off your chair just before. I did. You I had talking. to move the. I had to move the chair because I've been so <laughs> looked, relaxed. Because we were we were chatting. Um, I looked away for two seconds um, <laughs> to, to check the sound levels. It sounded like do you know in Shawshank when he kicks the stool away. Brooks from the. Really? <laughs> I was saying, what the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, that is definitely in your future. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, so this one, this one is picked by Rick. Um, Initially, I thought he was being, um, I think Rick's gone for the easy route because he's gone for another untold one. But then I watched it and Rick, you picked a hell of a documentary, mate. You've picked a fucking hell of a documentary. This is a great series. This is a great series. You're right. This is the second one in Untold. What was the first one? That was uh, Malice Malice at at the the Palace. Palace. Yeah. So this one is called Crime and Penalties from the year 2021. It's on Netflix. The directors were the Way Brothers, so Chapman Way and Macklin Way. That's some weird ass names, isn't it? Um, the money's too soon, accolades too soon. And here's the blurb so we can get into it. They could have been anything that they wanted to be. And it's got a great soundtrack as well. I'm singing that all I day. Was, I was going to say that. The soundtrack to this, it's, it's Bugsy Malone in 96 yeah. quiet little bit of beings. Fucking it's, excellent it's soundtrack. It's brilliant. Um, and okay, here's the blurb. They were the bad boys of hockey, a team bought by a man with mob ties, run by his 17-year-old son and with a reputation for being as violent as they were good. This is the story of the Danbury Trashers. And it is a story, right? Here's what it's got. It's got crows circling in the beginning, which Rick loves a crow circling. It's got sports and mobsters, which I'm going to love. And it's got the real Tony Soprano, James Galanti. And who didn't love Tony Soprano? As bad as he was. And we will be laughing at quite violent people here. But and sorry, I'm not laughing. The soundtrack wins you over. To be honest, the soundtrack wins you over. You put the Bugsy Malone soundtrack on there. There's some stuff coming up in it. Like I'll, I'll mention later. But first thing I want to say is, if you haven't watched this one before listening to us, and you have access to Netflix, go and watch it. This is a fucking phenomenal. It's hour great. And 20 it's a great hour and twenty minutes. It's superb. Because I've been I've been so damaged by late because of the AJ the Patreon pick and just the other stuff like the Nielsen what did we watch she picked the Nielsen tapes we watched um, we've watched some dark stuff of late yeah you're um, halfway through season one of making and, a murderer making so. a murderer yeah which is dragging me down but it's dragging me down a bit but it's still very good but this one oh mate I was there what's not to love beautiful beautiful sports people mobsters. And real life mobsters as well, not your telly shit, like proper fucking yeah. gangsters, right? Who kill people yeah, yeah. and set shit alight. Yeah. But they were basically saying how The Sopranos was set on um, yeah. Jimmy Galante. And even that, Jimmy Galante is just a mobster name. And he's got yeah. the mobster hair. He's, um, it's, it's the footage they have is phenomenal. Uh, and so basically, his son, it shows you how much he loves his son. His son gets into hockey and then. Jimmy Galante goes to jail. 
So Jimmy Gallant is away, and it's it's very well stated that he's not a rat. So he did the long yeah, sentence he did his as time. opposed as opposed to turning over and making a deal. So to overcompensate, AJ becomes the bad boy of his high school team until he gets injured. So his dad comes out of jail. He gets injured. Yeah. And uh, the next <laughs> the next scene, I don't know what the timeline is between, but the way it's put together in the documentary is he gets injured. He goes into school the next day and everyone's being like, that's amazing news. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> and he's just like, well, you're, you're the GM of the new Danbury Trashers, the hockey team. <laughs> Jimmy Galante, by the way, runs the sanitation in, in, in um, where is it, Connecticut? It's Connecticut, yeah, yeah. And, Connecticut, for, and so, for part of New York as well. And for part of New York, so... Um, yeah, just it is the Sopranos. It is the, the, the he is Tony Soprano. Thing. Yeah, they run a trash company. He's even Tony Soprano's kid in the Sopranos is called AJ, right? And it is now this is a mob based documentary, and these people. What do you mean these people? Uh, these people are still alive. So me and Rick, I mean we're respectful people anyway, but we are going to be more respectful, you know, than normal just because. Well, first of all, Jimmy Galante seems like a top bloke, right? And you wouldn't want to fuck with him. <laughs> and he said, right, he quoted, uh, he said, let's just say I can look myself in the eye. Now, that doesn't mean you haven't done bad things. It just means you're all right with it. I've done bad things, right, to people. I, I'm not all right with it. I can't always look myself in the it's, eye. It's the way he says it. He says... um, some things went on, a little of this, a little of that. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of, right, so my dad's a panel beater, so he was in the car game, and some of his mates were a bit like that, right? They were, you had that feeling, like, um, I think Dodgy Dennis got, I think he got three years for fraud. Um, my dad's other mate got pulled in, have you ever heard of the Brinks Matt robbery? No, no. Uh, it was like Britain's largest ever robbery, like after the Great Train robbery. Um, yeah, my dad's mate got pulled for that. They were like, "We know you done it." Just and he's like, "No, look, I have got an Arctic full of Nick jeans, but I didn't do the, <laughs> I didn't do the gold. I didn't nick any of that gold." Um, and these people just reminded me of some of my dad's mates, and I don't know if it was all piss and vinegar with it, with them, but they sounded like like my dad's mates sounded like made men. <laughs> There's a feeling of loveliness that I I got nostalgic watching this documentary. Oh, it's like me dad and his mates. What made me laugh is so they're showing you like AJ hangs out at the um, sanitation yard a lot with his dad, bringing him drinks yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he shows he set up his own lemonade stand in the yard. And like, <laughs> this is Fat Tony's son with a lemonade stand. And you just know they're giving him... <laughs> Duffel bags worth of cash for a twenty-five cent <laughs> lemonade. It just someone's just like, hey, uh, Jimmy Two Times didn't buy a lemonade today. He's like, yeah, I'll talk to Jimmy Two Times. <laughs> Jimmy Two Times now has a limp. Hey, you know what's going on with that thing over there? Yeah, it's sorted. <laughs> like <Yeah. this. laughs> what are you going to do? The motherfucker's Samoan. Um, and and uh, AJ says that he he, st- he first started to realise that he wasn't being raised the same as everyone else. When, when <laughs> he's at school and everyone's like, so what lessons have you learned uh, over the summer? And people are like, don't get in cars with strangers, don't accept sweets from strangers. And he's like, you don't fucking rat on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you be a stand-up guy. 
Um, it shows you how he doted on his thing. And now, this is something that blew my mind. So it shows you all his birthday parties and stuff. And then how he likes wrestling. So they I get knew wrestlers. you would love this. They get re- it's not it's not the fact they got wrestlers to turn up to the party. It's, it's the, the wrestlers they which, got. Which wrestlers? Now, yeah. WWE is based in Connecticut. That's that's the interesting point of the whole. So, like, there will okay. be ties to the McMahons in some way. They will have crossed paths at these function ah, raises and things like knowledge. that. Good knowledge. Good um, knowledge. So that's a Connecticut company, and uh, so they get like, and this is uh, 97, 98, 99. I'm yeah. looking at the year because they had The Rock, Triple H. Yes. The, <laughs> the two. Like, other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's like, yeah, son, I know yeah. you like football. Here's um, Bobby Moore, Alan Shearer, and <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo's popping in for a cup of tea for, for your dinner. It's, it's amazing they get these people to show up. Fuck knows how many duffel bags. Like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's been investigated for fraud when this documentary comes out, because I guarantee that is... <gasps> Was he? No, I, I'm saying he will do because. Oh right, okay. No now way, we, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. There is no way there that is a legitimate payment for fucking Billy Gunn, Mebbies. <laughs> All right, Mister Ass, who was there in his sunglasses. I can imagine has to Gandhi a few birthday parties. The fucking Rock in the late nineties is not Gandhi with kids' birthday party. What a and he looks great, right? He looks proper young. Um, what, what I liked about Jimmy Galante was when he just said, yeah, I was in the trash business. Uh, we collected trash and it just took off. And that's all I'm going to say on it. <laughs> well, we're not asking you to say anymore, are we, Jimmy? Um, okay. Well, there's there's a thing later. So like Ed Adams, I think he was called the FBI organized crime. He was the part of the guys who brought down John Gotti. And he was yes. part of the task force to look into Jimmy. And it's the Genevieve's family that uh, Jimmy controls as the old yeah. crime family. Allegedly. Allegedly, Jimmy. Don't worry, I got your back. Um Yeah, you're a great bloke, Jimmy. We love you. Very funny. Very and everybody talks so well of Jimmy, right? And you're like, well, not that many people even the even the um what was his name? Richard Broser, who was the commissioner of the hockey league. Well that's, just spoke that's so it. highly of Jimmy. Everybody no one had a bad word to say against Jimmy. Did you notice that? Now I don't know was that fear based, or do you think he really is a stand-up, like, proper guy. Well, I think, look at the way we're talking. Of course it's fucking fear-based. Jesus. Right. <laughs> like, like, well, we're a long way away. Because right. Broser comes in, he's like a short, stout, New Yorky type. Um, and the hockey team they purchase is in the UHL, which is the league below the NHL. It's like the equivalent of the championship is the way I took it. Yeah. For, th- yeah, for yeah. that region of America. And he's he's and he turns around and they all get on because he's a ball breaker and they have a laugh. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's uh, and he's kind of like you're not going to make a mockery out of this fucking sport, all right. And it, there is a funny flip as that goes on because he's like, all right, this kid looks like a fucking. This is a 17 year old GM who's got the big gold change and the backwards hat. Yeah. He's walking out of a WWE title belt. He called him a punk, didn't he? He went, this kid just looked like a punk, a proper punk. And then they announce the team, so he goes, and he's still on the crutches from his injury. So from yeah. not being able to play anymore, he's still on his crutches as he's been announced as the GM. Yes. And he, do you know? Do you see who introduced him? No. The mayor of Danbury introduced him to the podium. <laughs> How fucking great is that? They so they got the That's mayor fine. there going. Please welcome your established GM. The guy comes up backwards hat. Talking to the class for the first time. Fucking, I loved AJ throughout this. He was cracking me up all the way through. Oh, he was awesome. 
Um, his his accident as well. He said um, to this day, I don't know the exact di- diagnosis. I just know it was fucked up. <laughs> he was a proper character. All of them were. Every single person in this documentary was a character. And the way they go about it, they went, we want to get the biggest name in hockey. Now, so what they do is they sign Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time. But they Of sign- all time. Even I know Gretzky, right? Exactly. He's the Michael Jordan of hockey. He's LeBron yes. James. He's, he's, the, he's the dude. So they sign Brent Gretzky, the brother. His brother. <laughs> And there's like seven, like, because they talk about it a lot on the Wrestler Review podcast, because uh, they're Canadians. There's like 12 Gretzkys. Shit, and really? Two or three of them went to the NHL, and obviously Wayne's the guy. And there is a statistic where they are the highest scoring brothers of all time, and the other brother has only like scored two goals. Oh, beautiful, because Wayne Gretzky Gretz. is yeah. so great. Yeah. Well, his so he, dad would put him on. His dad put a um, an ice rink outside his uh, house so that he could practice outside. Um, and he would he would go, "Dad, I'm going to come in." And he went, "No, just a couple of more hours, boy." And Wayne Gretzky would be like, "Okay, Dad," and he would just carry on practicing for a couple of more hours. But he hasn't just got the greatest number of goals. I think he's also got the greatest number of assists. He's got the basically his stats are off the charts compared to every other player in every area as well. He is a beautiful all rounder. He's not just a goal scorer. He is a machine. And they um, so then they start to look at other people. So he's just like, I need help to set up this team. So he goes and gets his middle school, uh, hockey, uh, coach. And, and they're going. He just remembered this guy, big tall guy, and and I think middle school. You like. Between nine and eleven, maybe. Yeah, and he's going. And this guy was just smashing kids through the ice. He's just, <laughs> he just beating the fuck out of children on this did, hockey rink. Did I smash a few kids into the wall? Yes, I did. And he says the Dave Chappelle line of "Cocaine's a hell of a drug." And this guy's never <laughs> no got a cigar in his mouth. He's a fucking nutcase. And he looks like, for those of us who are a certain age, he's, uh, the Kojak. smile on his face, yeah, he's Kojak. Yeah, yeah, Telesavalis. Uh, his yeah. name is Tommy T-Bone Pompicello. And he is he is a proper... Tommy T-Bone Pompicello. Like, Jesus. <laughs> hey, I T-Bone. Love, <laughs> I love how mobbed up this is. And there is a little bit of an over-glamorization of the mob and organized crime and that. But this, since you grew up watching Goodfellas Casino, Sopranos... Yeah. This is fucking hilarious. And the idea of this this coked up PE teacher is just like decking children on the fucking yeah. field. It's unbelievable. And what um, do you need for the mob to be great, right? Because the mob are the bad guys. So you need some good guys. And obviously, because it's this, it's sort of flipped a bit. So you're not rooting for the FBI here. You're rooting for the mob. But the first thing we learn when the FBI come in is they they are classically FBI people. Because the first thing they do is they have a meeting. They have a meeting because they need a name for the project of what they're going to do to take down this family. It's McMillions all over again. It's it's hilarious, isn't it? Because they they then even they inflate the need for that because they call it a code name, not even an operations name. It's a code name. It's a code name. And they they call it the Pale Rider because of a Clint Eastwood movie, which to me. It's not even linked to the operation they're doing. That's like going, I know what we're going to call it. We're going to take down these tax havens and cut across the organized crime. What are you going to call it? Infinity War. Now, watch it yesterday. (laughs) 
Could, could I be codenamed Thanos, please? <laughs> but I'm wondering, do they pick them? And it's whether they've already been chosen already. So like, oh, okay, we're, we're going to call it uh, Look Who's Talking. No, that's already gone. Ah, shit. Okay. All right. It's a train ro- It's a train robbery. All right. Back from paternity leave, Rick. How are you doing? Uh, we're going to call it <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine Robber. <laughs> um, and if you want to know what we're talking about on McMillions, that is on our Patreon. So how about a quick word from our sponsors? That's myself, Rick, and all our Patreon pals. Jump on, find the links in the show notes, click on the Patreon link, and you can get access to what I think is one of the greatest documentary series I've ever seen, which was McMillions. You can get and access to there. us talking about one of the greatest documentary series of all time. That's, That's why so they're here, Rick. That's why they're here. Right. <laughs> with, with, with the Patreon, listen, it's £5 a month to get access to the feed. Check the feed out, and then once you've listened to it all, you can cancel it. All supporters is uh, appreciated, but yeah, back to this. So they then go into a little bit of Jimmy Galante's other side, which does make me think a little bit, because it is awesome, and you're rooting for them. And they're yeah. like... Yeah, and then they there was another guy trying to run a garbage truck in Connecticut, so they kidnapped him and set his van on fire. And just imagine this guy just watching this documentary going, they literally stamped on my face for an hour. <laughs> they put me in my truck and doused me in gasoline. <laughs> it would be like me and you being running out the podcast game because... Uh... Joe Rogan wants to talk about making Joe a murder. Rogan, yeah. <laughs> just sends a couple of undercard UFC fighters and I'm like, guys, have it. Have it. Yeah. Are you John Senna? I'm out. Okay, thanks. Um, so, so And the, then they hire the best. One second. I'll, it's the way they hire this guy. So it's the coked right. up PE teacher <laughs> is, turns around and then he says, like, I need a, I need someone to do this. And he goes, I've got a player for you. And he pulls out a Polaroid of a player in a jumpsuit in handcuffs. Orange jumpsuit in handcuffs. And yeah, yeah. The whole branding of the team is the evil empire, the bad guys and yeah, bad boys. Yeah. The bad boys of it. So they show him this picture of like Billy Bedlam from fucking Conair. And they run <laughs> off his <laughs> They run off his fucking rap sheet and it's just like he just beat up six correctional officers and then <laughs> Brad Wingfield. Then they go for a, 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 another player, and he should be in the NHL, but he had a horrific accident where someone's skate went through his eye, so they signed One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. And that was on his first ever day, right? It broke his heart. And the, the second he heard about the uh, the Danbury trashers, I'm a trasher. He's like, I'm in. When they told me what they were going to do, he went, I was in straight away. How can you turn it- that down? So you get sent tapes of players by agents for who they yeah. want to sign them. And one of them's just labelled the Nigerian Nightmare. And he's like, well, I like wrestling, so I'll check them out. And this guy's a fucking monster. Um, and he's telling saying how he got the feeling for figure skating. So his mom let him do figure yes. skating. And the funny thing about that is, is the what he phrases next. So um, I think his last name's Udo, but I can't remember. I don't want to take a point at us. So he's just like the enforcer type for the team, other than Brad Wink. They're all enforcers on this team. Actually, but yeah. um, he says, I got a feel for the ice of ice skating, so that really helped me out with the footwork for fighting later. Not for playing <laughs> hockey. <laughs> Not for playing hockey, for fighting later. And uh, then he says, oh, I loved Slapshot and the brothers that went everywhere, so I wanted some twins. And then they go and get in yes. touch with these two. The two twins are brilliant talking heads because one of them's just getting pissed off at being talked over the whole time. Constantly, yeah. 
The, the they... two brothers were very funny. They were very, very funny. But um, what I liked is AJ's inspiration when he was a kid. And the reason he fell in love with hockey was because of the Emilio Estevez film, Mighty Ducks. You can't and that's... love the Mighty Ducks. I've never seen it. You can't make me lose. Oh, you'd love it, Matt. You'd buy a hockey fucking rink tomorrow. Right, uh, okay. You'd love it. But um, what what I love is that, in part, all of the violence that happened is all created initially by Disney. They they spark, they lit the touch paper, right? And that's what set it all off. A lovely little Disney film with um, Martin Sheen's brilliant son. No, gone, mate. You just ruined it. Let's, let's beat some people up and set their shit alight. So they so the one of the brothers gets the call from Jimmy saying they want to sign him. They ask him what he's being paid. He says, "All right, so I'm going to give you a 10k cash on the table right now." He says, if, "And I'm going to double your wages." And then he says, "If you pay my brother the same, we'll." He just had to ring his brother and say, "We play for the Danbury Trash." Yeah, right yeah, now. That's, we're in that's now. We're at now. And he goes, he put the money down on the table. He was like, "Shit!" When <laughs> I like the way they all describe when they walked into the. Uh, it it was like um, Stephen Avery's salvage yard, but it was obviously it was for rubbish, and they walked through this huge factory yeah, that's processing rubbish. P- people have actually been killed there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, evidence would not need to be planted in this place, and they're all like, "Jesus, what am I walking into?" And then they come into this really plush office. Fucking hell. And then on the opening night, so their first ever right, game. Just, just before they do. So they have one or two meetings of Brozel, the league owner. And the Brozel is laying down the law of you will not make a mockery of this league. And then it cuts to the, the P, what's T-Bone, the PE teacher? Yeah, T-Bone. The, just, he's just cracking up going, he did not know who he was talking to. <laughs> he was a minnow in with sharks. Yeah. Yeah, and then opening night, you got the mayor there, senators there, and this is the moment I think you're about to mention. So they're about to go out onto the ice, and he gets in Wingfield. (laughs) Billy Bedlam gets handed a phone, and they and then they point up (laughs) at Jimmy Galante in the office box, like a Roman emperor. He's up in the stands, and he basically turns his thumb this way, (laughs) and then (laughs) he calls him. He goes, "The minute the puck drops." Smash him. So then the no, no, he says the minute the puck glove drops, I want you to release your, your gloves. gloves, drop your gloves, drop your gloves, and hit him. <laughs> and yes, we are glorifying violence, uh, but only the funny side of it. We're comedians, right? We just—it really tickled me. It really, really did. Just that sign and the way they did is so fucking funny and just like you know outlandish it's so fucking outlandish and the commentary right so they're meant to be commentating on a hockey game but the commentators are like oh he's got a good right hook he's pulled his arm back again he's got he's he's slamming his head against the eyes and you're like what the fuck and the commentator even went this is incredible and he was so pumped up about it yeah they love it they love it yeah it was there is different sides of the hockey purists that enjoy it or don't enjoy it and when it goes too far and they want to be more about the sport but it's one of the things hockey's famous for which is why it's a very grey area and what they're complaining about with this team well that's a good point because the president of the league um, is it Brosa? Yeah Brosa Right the president of the league Brosa said listen we understand in hockey that fighting is part of the game but eight in one night come on so hang on Brosa your problem 
is the number of fights. So what? Two, what? What's the acceptable number from the hockey league's three. point of view then? Oh, is that three was that? Did he say that? Okay. Oh, I missed yeah. that. Okay. Oh, three fights is all right, but four is just disgusting. Well, that's ridiculous. It's either allowed or it's not. And then Bruce um, is like, I was in the arena. He threatened to suspend AJ. Yeah. What the, and AJ is um, like, it won't happen again. And then they kick into <laughs> the Bugsy Malone <laughs> sa- soundtrack of we could have been anything that we wanted to be. Bad boys. And it's just them just smashing people into the ice. Like, it is... Like you see baseball but, swings with the sticks into people's throats. You see like their heads it's, being pounded. It's, it's fucking it's a brutal. different level. Um, this is how violent they all were and how rough it all got. So they banned, and this has never happened before or since. So the equipment manager, Kojak T-Bone, they banned him because he started fucking with the opposing yeah. team. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. he, he gave them paper towels rather than towels for when they come out of the shower. He turned off the hot water in the visitor <laughs> locker room. And that's common. That happens in the lower leagues in football, right? That's not a... They always give them, make sure their their uh, dressing room's a bit shit because they don't want them to play great on their home territory. That makes complete sense. Um, and the fans... they And here's the difference, right? Brosa wasn't happy with it but what is hockey rick it is a bums on seats business and the fans loved them this they is hilarious because there is a halfway flip with brosel because brosel like you're fine in here this is not happening yeah and in the end and then he's going there in the 102 section that's the section that specifically buy tickets above the bench of the away team Yes, now, so they I've can seen harass guys, and abuse them. Th- there's like guys at the St. James's Park, whenever you get like uh, on the day tickets, you're up in the gods near the away fans. And the people have their season tickets three feet away from the... They don't even face the field. They're just like yelling at Everton fans for 90 minutes. But and, weirdly enough, that's... So when we bought our season tickets uh, at West Ham, the reason we bought where we were is because Paresh and his brother... They chose that place because we were next to the West Ham, uh, next to the away fans. And then when they rearranged the whole stadium, we got fucked over. And we were not happy about it at See, all. I'm the opposite. I, 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 I want to be comfortable. I want to be in the middle with decent seats to watch the match. And I can go, he's good on football manager. I'm not the guy who wants to fucking yell over a Brentford fan that we're going to fight after the game in case he recognizes me. Like, I'm not. No, I don't but, go for that Green Street way of life. Oh, okay. D- don't go to football with Paresh then. <laughs> he loves chucking around. So we nearly got our heads kicked in in Liverpool because of him. I was on my crutches. I just had my uh, my hips replaced. Yeah, and he's abusing people. I went like, fucking taxi. Come on, we're out of here. Um, and the, right, so back to the fact, right? Yeah, the fans loved the team and that changes everything, right? Once the fans are behind you, they are the 12th man, right? And and it all changed the night when Brad Wingfield, and this is the guy who's been in prison who fucked up uh, who's just, prison guards. And again, who's a machine. you see him battering people throughout. Yeah. He is beating the foot. He is just there too. And he's like the big goon enforcer. He's a fucking yeah. monster. Great talking heads from him. You did. You did. All, all of them were great talking heads. They were just. They're yeah. all characters, right? And they're all. They're all piss takers. You can tell them. They're all piss takers. And Brad Wingfield, he seems like the loveliest fella in the world as well, doesn't he? He's like a teddy bear that can rip your eyes out. And then it shows you. So Wingfield's against. Uh, I forget the team they're playing, but he gets his leg broke, and he goes, yes. "It was a pussy cheap shot." 
t- yeah. pulled his jersey back and clipped it, and, he, and he's his leg snapped, career-ending injury. Yeah, it was um, Kalamazoo. They were playing Kalamazoo. Playing Kalamazoo, and they Jimmy Galante goes into the locker room, and again, when you see this guy, <laughs> just. <laughs> Just the polo shirt he's wearing <laughs> with his watch in his hair. You're all like, all right, some shit's got to go down now. And then he challenges them and says, that doesn't happen here. What are you going to do? And then they just talk about the bloodbath that ensued. So yeah. they go out and it's the Nigerian nightmare. Yes, goes and yeah. just like he's fucking suplexing people. He's chucking them up in the air. He is just absolutely yeah. destroying it. They and then Jimmy Galante comes down and punches a referee. Now, in Jimmy Galante's defence, the referee did tell him to go fuck himself. Now, I'm not saying that's a reason to punch someone in the in the head, but the guy needs to know who the owners are, and he's a fucking mob boss. What do you think's going to happen when you tell a mob boss to go fuck themselves? It's not going to end well Wait, for you. There's a difference between telling Mike Ashley to go fuck himself and Roman Abramovich to go fuck himself. Yeah, Tell absolutely. What, when we have royalty sat in that box at the formerly known Sports Direct Arena and you see that fucking, you know, the red head garb, you get better believe you're not telling him to get fucked because your family's <laughs> dead before you blow the whistle again. They'll come around, they'll drop their gloves. Um, and then, then Custer Winchfield, after he punched the ref, and he goes... You know, that just meant a lot. He didn't have to do that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's all about respect, right? Because they're stand-up guys. It's all about respect. Um, they Then Jimmy gets the address of... Yeah, he goes to... Um, Elizinga, the guy who broke Wingfield's leg. He goes to Wingfield. What do you want to happen? And, and, and Wingfield's Jimmy's like, fuck, really? You got his address? And they're like... Yeah, do you want us to take care of that? And he's like, "Best not." Let's see his back a bit, Jimmy. What do you think? He turns around and says, "You lucky, you punk bitch, that I kept it on the ice." It's just like, because yeah, that would have been his house fucking firebombed. Like, yeah, they would have killed him and his family. That's exactly what would have happened. And then stand-up guy Jimmy gets named uh, Italian American of the Year by a state (laughs) senator. I could not stop smiling and laughing that feels through this like old an, documentary. Like an FBI sting to me. That is codenamed Domino's fucking sting that they put on. Going, how do we get all these people in the same room? I know. Italian-American over the year. They're all terrible. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and then the ultimate game changer for the Danbury Trashers happened because, and I, I bet you can put some meat on the bone here. The NHL gets cancelled for the year 2004-2005. Yeah, the lockout. So effectively, that means cocky fans have got, they can't watch the top level. So they all go, they drop down a level because they're hockey fans. And the people just gravitated in their droves to the Danbury well, Trashers because they were so great to watch. And they were also winning shit, right? So the lockout's an interesting thing, particularly since we almost had the inception of the Super League in the, in football. Right, yes. So NHL, baseball, and NBA, they have a ring-fenced, no one enters, like it's not a pyramid, that's the league, no matter yeah. what. Once you get them all in there, you can go, right, this is unfair to other teams. All the owners agree, let's have a fucking salary cap because we don't want to pay more money. Yeah than what we're doing. So then the players are stuck without their, like being able to maximize their contracts yeah. 
because you can only have so many people being paid well on a team. So they all went on strike. Uh, happened with NBA, happened with, happens with all American sports. Right. And that is exactly what they were shaping up to do with the Super League. So they could do things like, I don't know, not have Lionel Messi leave their team. Yes. Like little things like that. So they could control it that way. So then they reach out to fucking Mike Rupp. What's he called? Mike Rupp? Mike Rupp. Or yeah, Rupp. Yeah. Who Mike was a, a very successful hockey player, right? Scored the winning goal in the Stanley Cup. So that's yeah, like yeah. the equivalent of winning the Champions League. That's that's huge. Yeah, yeah. So they reach out to him and his agent literally says, he wants to pay you with a duffel bag full of cash. Yeah. And then it crushed the mic up going, so I heard what these guys were doing. And I thought, I really I really like what they're trying to put together. <laughs> and, um, oh, we've, we've skipped out that he gives the players like lakeside properties, six, like they're tre- like yeah. kings in Danbury. These guys are living like the and, high life. And they are making it rain in terms of cash. So, uh one night, the player who scored the most goals, he walked in and he went, here, here's your goal bonus. And it was 10 grand in cash. And he went, come on, lads, let's hit the bars. And they all go out yeah, on the he's piss. he's there just chucking cash yeah. down. <laughs> That's fucking incredible. And um, so then it cuts back to the FBI investigation. And they're like saying, we managed to get wiretaps up. And there was a guy um, who was the uh, Galetti sales manager and also played Scrappy the <laughs> Trash Mascot. <laughs> so you've got this, like, even the guy in the fucking costume is a fixer for the mob. <laughs> and he puts on this big trash bin. He's like, come on, kids, let's whack the fucking Red Devils or whatever he's doing. On his dating profile, you- I like hockey. I like dressing up as a bin. He he fucking they and they it's so much like casino. It's just like the problem with Piscano is this guy could fuck up a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and he's on the phone and he's literally going, uh Yeah, you know that thing on Mill Road? We took care of it. It sure is like a newspaper clip of like <laughs> people on fire in Mill Road. And he said so much stuff on the phone to incriminate himself and Jimmy's crew that they that then gave them permission. To tap everybody's phone. They had so many people on Operation Pale Rider. Uh, if you don't, if you haven't seen that film either, it is a Clint Eastwood film. It's one of his best. It's absolutely superb. It's so well done. I think he might have directed it as well. I've read the book for that. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So then that's interspliced with John Cena turning up to the hockey rink. That's why his name's Again. in my head. Yeah, so they got John Cena to come down and give him a championship belt. It's just like this is this is insane the yeah. level and what they've done to this team. And then there's talking about breaking attendance records. You can see where Brawls will start to realize that the UHL this is actually a good thing for them. Of course it is because he has a change of heart. He went, listen, I respect. He starts sitting in section one or two. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine you're one of the players getting stamped on with a skate and you look up and there's the league leader fucking having beers in section one or two? Yeah. And he said they gave him a real hard time. He goes, they said stuff that I couldn't even repeat here. He goes, they just ribbed me constantly. And he went, okay, I'm going to go sit with them then. Yeah. But listen, I think, I don't know whether they got to Brosay or not, but the fact that his change of heart around AJ and Jimmy and he went, yeah, carry on what you're doing. Because listen, bums on seats business, right? And they were they were filling out that stadium. And because the NHL was frozen out, yeah, this this went through the roof. 
It did, and then comes like again, just amazing moments as well. Yeah, Because yeah. this could be an interesting story if it was just guys paying under the table and you had them up, but you had these narratives within the hockey that transpired. So Wingfield, who says "fuck the doctors," I decide when I retire. So he's been training <laughs> like he's for a UFC fight <laughs> for when who comes back to town? Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo in Erzinga is the it is Elzinga, yeah, yeah, Elzinga. So the leg break. I got to be honest. If I'm Elzinga, I'm not going to that match. No, that's, I'm phoning in sick. I'm I'm removing myself from that one. Yes. That's not for me. So they have footage of Erzinga, and he's just like he's got his wrists, t- he's got his fists taped up, and he's just sat yeah. there rocking. They and said it AJ, was like preparing for the invading Iraqis coming in. They were getting ready. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it. It's got AJ with his GoPro filming Azinga's face like at four feet away going, oh, he looks so pretty, doesn't he? He's a pretty boy, Azinga. And, and, and they even say on the voiceover going, and you can't say anything back to AJ because then you've got that to deal with. Because yeah. <laughs> his dad's a made man. What are you going to say? Basically, and then it kicked off like a Cockney funeral. It proper fucking kicked off. Well, he made a wrestling motivational video before the fucking thing. So he had him with the championship belt as a kid. That's right, and, and the, had the fire flames coming and up. The, yeah, yeah. In the music and the the bad, the evil empire, and they're all fucking fired up like Sparta going to war. And then the match starts, and it, he's just like a fucking shark as Wingfield. Billy up. Bedlam there. And yeah. he drops his thing. He just cross checks him with the sticks. So that's like the stick across his neck, knocks him down. And then this whole fight erupts, and they cut the feed off. Yes, and if yeah, you, yeah. They had the footage of them just beating. They're, they're down to their like bare, their bare chested, just fucking hammering each other on the ice. Well, T Bone said this. So the, the kit manager, two warriors going at it with no shirts on. It was the most beautiful fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and this is why I call it. There's a quote of Billy Bedlam in in Conair when they look at him, and Steve Buscemi goes. Do you know moments of peace and tranquility cause him pain? <laughs> <laughs> and and he's literally talking it and goes, there's a moment in the fight which is actually quite peaceful, you know. And <laughs> and then after the fight, you um you get up and you hear the roar of the crowd. And those are just those are just memories I'll cherish forever. <laughs> As as the blood of another human being is dripping from his knuckles, he's spelling his name out in blood on the ice. Oh man, it was it was fucking brutal. You got to watch this documentary; it's absolutely lovely. There is a minute wasted in it for me. There no, is. absolutely, yeah. And do you know the beautiful thing here? What Netflix could have done, they could have dragged this out over free. Fuck, every 10 minutes is now a long episode. Yeah, right? They could have dragged every it out 10 over a docuseries. They didn't. Bam, hour and 20 minutes. Cop that. You're constantly entertained. It's it's beautiful. Absolutely There's a nine eleven one I'm going to try and sell you on after we get off the uh, thing that I, I don't know how you're going to feel about it, but this will be Rick and Matt's big political saga for the, for the autumn. Oh, okay. <laughs> the end of going for it. Coming soon on Discussing Documentaries. Um, Matt going, well, countries smash planes into things all the time. <laughs> what are you going on about it for? Um, uh, then we get introduced to the district attorney, Kevin O'Connor. And he arrests Jimmy. Not just arrest him, he gets a hundred and seventeen indictments against him. That's that's a lot of fucking indictments. Here's the funny thing about America, because they even say it 
as they're saying, 179 diamonds. It's like, if this shit is glamorized, we are going to throw fucking yes. everything at it. Like, yeah. And they even say it. This is in the aftermath of The Sopranos, which we haven't mentioned. Galdef- uh, James Galifianakis. Not Galifianakis. Galifianakis. Yeah. Gal- Gandolfini. Gandolfini. Yeah. Yeah, so Gandolfini sent a signed picture to Jimmy yeah. Galante saying, to the real Tony Soprano, and that's in his fucking office. When you go in there saying, sorry, I can't pick up the bins on Monday, I'm going to be ill. Is this- but even um, even the, the DA, right, Kevin O'Connor, he said, listen, people find burning trash trucks irresistible. So we put that stuff all over the place when we indicted him. Because people would tune in to watch that and they need to know we're bringing these people down, right? Because people need to understand in a society, crime doesn't pay. Even though for some people it really does. Like, it really seemed to pay yeah. off for the for the Galantes. Yes. And uh, it, so within this sting, they took down the mayor of Danbury. Yep. The senator of uh, <laughs> Danbury asked Jimmy Galante to beat up his granddaughter's boyfriend. <laughs> And no, he, husband. He's actually husband. Husband, yeah, yeah the husband of a granddaughter, his grandson. Yeah. Um which oh my fucking god, like that That's, is and he, he gave a statement, didn't he? I, I know now looking back that that was he's probably in Congress, the wrong going. Yeah, in Congress he's I uh, I admit it was probably poor judgment to talk to people uh with uh, less than reputable ties to organized crime. But he was being horrible to my granddaughter, so fuck him. Um But vote but vote no on prop thirty seven. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they also brought down, so like everybody, right, uh, Jimmy Galante seemed to have a have a boss, and his name was Horse in Iallo, and he was one of the heads, it would seem. Yep, mm-hmm. they brought him down as well. And then, since they had the wiretaps, then they find out what's really going on yeah. with the hockey team. So the way they're able to get all these amazing players and do all this shit is they're all signed to jobs for the sanitation company where they don't turn up and they just get paid via these yeah. companies. So there is a cap on what you can spend in that league and they are far exceeding yeah. that cap. And they had to they shut the team down. The team no longer exists. Go trash us. The, go trash the FBI agent that's um you see at the beginning that's set on the code name Hill <laughs> Rider. Jimmy hires him. <laughs> that and, is... and apparently the the surprising thing about this was when the FBI agent went, Yeah, so what they say they call that in my business going over to the dark side and a lot of us do it. Do ya? What's that? Because you're yeah. sick of your government paid job and you want to work for the mob, because that's where the real money is. Well, the retired got the pension, and then they do like consultancy work. I believe uh, the Durst family did that for Robert Durst and the Jinx, oh. and he went in because they have access to what evidence they have, yes, and then they, they can... know people. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um... So that was really funny that you hired him. He's facing ninety three counts, a hundred years, a hundred plus years, man, a hundred fucking plus years. That's. I mean, he must be at that age. What is he? 50-odd at that age? Yeah, 50, yeah. 60, yeah. Yeah, um, And he's looking at 100 years. Fucking hell. And Jimmy is talking like Jimmy the Gent in Goodfellas, and he's just going, here's what I've learned about loyalty. The people you think will stick by you don't. The people who you don't do. And then it cuts to Brozel in his yeah. big chair in his Las Vegas pad. Yeah, and he says, listen, the Jimmy I know, he's a loving and caring man. Wait there, wait there. So they take him, the feds take him and grill him for hours. They put him in a small room. And he says, they're trying to ask me, am I intimidated by Jimmy Galante? 
And all I kept saying was, I have nothing but respect for Jimmy Galante. <laughs> he is an upstanding human being, and I definitely do not know of any wrongdoing. <laughs> well, they they grilled him, didn't they, for hours and hours, wanting him to snitch. Yeah, they flew his brother in uh, just to look at him in the courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like this, what, what he said as well, Brosa. He went, I'll tell you this about Jimmy. He's not a snitch. So there's obviously, there's people have got muck on other people and it goes all the way around. There's circle jerking on the muck here. And basically, so what the feds do, they decide, this is how we get them. We're now going to go for Aja. We're going to go for the son yeah. and try and indict him. Yeah. So then it cuts back to Jimmy in real time. So obviously you're speaking to Jimmy in real time. Yeah. And at first I thought Brozel might be in fucking witness relocation before he says that. Well, you see where he's sitting. But you see Jimmy. And he says, uh, on evidence of, uh, on advice of my counsel. Well, I'm no, not hang on, hang it- on, hang on. The reason he says that, right? <laughs> hang on. Sorry to interrupt you this time. The reason he says that, the director asks him a question and he's been to the Rick Walton School of Interview Techniques because he just looks at him for a second and he waits. He gives it a count of three. And then he says, go on. He says, on advice of my counsel, I'm not giving any speech to anything pertaining my cases. <laughs> now, whenever... Cases, not case. Cases, yeah. You're using the word pertaining and in, in, in reforms to criminal law. You've hired a lawyer that costs upwards of £100,000. There's not many people around the Galante house saying the word pertaining on a daily basis. Yes. <laughs> And he says, I pleaded guilty to several charges and got 37 months. No, 87 months. Was it 87? Yeah, was it? which is about seven and a half years. And he served his time, I'm guessing, like a man, uh, and he served it in a federal prison. I bet they did it making making fancy Italian meals every day. And yeah. well, <laughs> they it- used to cut the onions with a razor. You know, it stunk <laughs> up the place, but it made a hell of a sauce. Um but the only reason he pleaded guilty, because he said, listen, I don't believe the sins of the father should affect the son. And he goes, that's what was going to happen. So he, he basically, they threatened his kid and he was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, right. I'm facing 100 years and you're threatening my kid. I'll do it and your parents stay alive. <laughs> and fair play to AJ, right? So he went on and he went on and lived just a, new, a normal blue collar job life, right? He became a truck driver for 10 years. Yep, became a truck driver, and then he um, starts up his own boxing promotion. Yeah. The famously non-mob-related sport of boxing. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't make that connection. Yeah, good, nice one. Yeah, yeah. He said on his first night, uh, which was on ESPN, the fans were booing him and his fighter, and he went, I loved it. I love it. Because his whole thing was... He was always rooting for the bad guy like his dad was. He goes, because no one ever yeah. cheers for the bad guy. And the whole Danbury Trashers was built around the fact they were the bad guys. And he goes, we built that team for the 1% of people who love the bad guy, because that's who we are. And it was so honest, right? They wore their heart on their sleeves. It was beautiful. It was just like so his beautiful. First, his dad's first night out of jail, he'd set up a boxing promotion for his dad to come to. Yeah. Uh, to show it, and then uh, they then they start playing um, the Bugsy Malone good guys. But they set it up in the ice hockey arena where the Danbury the Trashers arena. used to play. Yeah, yeah. And um, we could have been anything that we wanted to be. And I love this. So the you you have uh, I mean, there's so much you you can talk about each moment of this 
yes hour and 26 yeah 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 and and so they have interviews from the fans that are just die hard fucking fans to this yeah and um that woman they, in her wheelchair fans, and her husband yeah the fans in the section one or two have a reunion 15 years later and this is how you know he loves wrestling because they made a surprise visit to that to surprise them all and that's a that's a wrestler move right there just like right. let's not tell them we're going let's just show up and get the huge cheer for being awesome. there so they turn up and they have a laugh with all the fans and it's fucking it's just a feel good moment and again the guy who they stuffed into fucking trunks of trucks and set fire to must be thinking these guys are right. <laughs> <laughs> just... my wife and kids left me because i got ptsd what the fuck there's a guy of his will that says he wants to be buried in his trasher jersey yep and showed the will to it Give a little love and it all comes back to you. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it was awesome, man. A very schmaltzy ending as well, right? You got you got goosebumps, didn't you, at the ending? You're like, oh, go on, you villain, you little rogues. Go on. You have Wingfield sat there and he's talking about, I wish I had Jimmy in my life for the rest for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then, was it Jimmy or AJ that surprised him in Jimmy. Because I couldn't, was it Jimmy? Because yeah. it was dark on my screen due to the sungler. So then Jimmy turns up and they're both crying and yeah. stuff like that. To see, he's crying to see him. It's fucking brilliant. He, he goes, I never cry, was, but I will for Jimmy. <laughs> did you see what Jimmy said to see how he how he um, met him? So he's going, I just wish I, I never got a chance to thank him. I haven't been in contact with him. And then what Jimmy's entrance line is. That he knew he would recognize him by, by saying this catchphrase. No, come on. He goes, are you looking for an ass kicking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it was a great documentary. I smiled. I laughed all the way through it. I was just, uh, I started watching it on the way to the office job. I got to the office and I I woke up at like 4am. So I just thought, fuck it. I'm just going to go to work. Uh, so I got to the office. You're working for? Yeah, well, I got up. I'd laid there for about 20 minutes and I was like, I'm never going to get back to sleep. Let's just get up and get on with the day. So I got to the office about quarter past half six in the morning and they've got a huge TV and a sofa. So yeah, I just logged in my Netflix account, put my feet up and watched this. It was beautiful, man. I had a real, it was just such fun. It was just really, really good fun. Um, and it, even though it was about organized crime and people getting hurt, but it was funny, right? I was entertained. And going back to what you said that's why you watch a documentary it is why i watch a documentary it's not always about learning um, and knowledge is it it's about being entertained as well so give us your score then all right not only am i giving this a five there was nothing the i disliked about it i didn't there's nothing i disliked about this oh uh, my god not only am i giving this a five but i'm taking two points off the battered bastards of baseball <laughs> <laughs> Because those guys with their fucking brooms can sit and watch this and realize this was an interesting fucking story. Oh, mate, I I didn't think you could shock me after all these years. Okay, I'm giving it a five too. Right, this is our first ten. Wow. Is that the first ten? That's the first. Well, no, we gave um, our Patreon stuff. It's good. Some of that stuff scores very high. But our, I think this is our first ten in uh, the regular feed. Phenomenal documentary, so fun. It might as well be in a movie, which is what I want to see. That's what I want to see next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I want to play. I don't the need to see the movie. The one I, I don't. Like. I don't, don't want to see Vin Diesel playing Brad Wingfield. I've seen the real guy talk about <laughs> losing a finger on the ice. I don't need to see that. When he puts up his injuries, he's had more injuries than me. Yeah, yeah I broke both my legs. I broke my ankle. Uh, chipped my tibia bone. Uh, I broke nineteen ribs. Uh, I've done. Th- I've had these bones in my spine fused together. I had my bone. Uh, my nose broke. My skull got crushed. Fucking uh, <laughs> hell! Fucking incredible! Like absolutely awesome story. Couldn't have enjoyed it more. It was fucking. Yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, so check it out. It's called. Let's give it one more shout. It's from the Untold series on Netflix, and it's called Crime and Penalties. Um. Our first 10. Wow, you've shocked me, Rick. You really shocked me. Um, what's coming up next, Rick? Uh, we've got a few Patreon picks to sort out. Uh, and then also for... Um, we're either going to do Fahrenheit 9-11 or the new 9-11 docuseries. Yeah, we couldn't uh, find... I think it'll be a good one. We couldn't find Fahrenheit 9-11. It's just about to have because it's coming up for the 20-year anniversary. I, I'm not yeah. sure that I want to watch Fahrenheit 9-11 for very seri- uh, very selfish reason. There is a lot of talk of um, <clears throat> Saudi involvement in 9-11, which I think is counterproductive to my wishes, hopes, and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Give a little love and it all comes back Yeah, to put the Bugsy Malone theme to fucking pre- da, 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 da. <laughs> to Prince MBS. Um, oh, good, some Patreon shit or Fahrenheit 9-11. Right, sweet. I think that was an Aussie Sarah recommendation, which is... Well, uh, Fahrenheit? Yeah, because she said, she went, just so you know, they, they re-released it. And that's why we can't find it, because we were going to do that today. But Right, yeah. right. Well, it's, um, you can rent it on Amazon for four quid, I believe. Oh, I couldn't find it, really? I couldn't find it on Amazon. When I looked on Amazon itself, you, you No, could... that's 11.9. That's his second one. Ah, oh, fuck, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch but that not, one again. Yeah, so that's not 9.11. But I do, I am looking for, I, I do think the new one on Netflix may be a, a better one to check with time in hindsight. Okay, send me the link, because I've got... Uh, it's it's got Netflix, it's like, uh, it's the first thing that comes up. Oh right, it's okay. um, nine right. eleven before and after it's called. So it's talking about the wars that came after it and the, oh, everything okay. regarding. I think it ties in well with what's going on in Afghanistan and all that. Yeah, kind of stuff. okay, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get to it then. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. Um, that was fun. That was I've just that was a great hour. Thanks, and uh, I'll see you later. Yeah, back to forced confessions for you. Don't enjoy yeah. too much. <laughs> no. Give a little love and it all goes back to you. Right. That's what Brendan Dassey needs, a mascot with a trash can on him. <laughs> yeah, his problem was he wasn't a made man. Right, see you later. Turn up. Take it easy. <laughs>